Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 92. We're discussing the BMW Championship, the second leg of the 2019 PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs, and the Czech Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. The European Tour's back. It's... (laughs) It's 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 appeared from nowhere. Where's We've it got some action. from? Some, got some action, action on the Euro Tour. Amazing. Yes, we've got a decent stretch coming up after this, haven't we? So, uh, but yeah, it's nice got? to be back. What have we got? What have we got? I'll put you under pressure. Uh, what have we got? Uh, next week, Sweden renamed Scandinavian Ooh. Invitational. So, what was the Nordea Masters? Different. Oh yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, then we're off to Kranz, Saucier. Oh, lovely. Porsche. Yeah. KLM Open, and then um, after the KLM, it's the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. So uh, a nice. decent stretch of golf coming up over the next few weeks on the Euro the Tour. U- the European Tour is back with a vengeance. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. My plea last week got us an extra five or six members. But we're still not up to five thousand. We're not up to five thousand, yeah. It's probably the two or three I had to ban over the weekend. <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. Um, Paul is available at Golf Betting, and I'm available at Bamford Golf. Uh, look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, Buzzsprout, and YouTube, plus a myriad of different pod channels. Now. We're asking for two simple things from you guys, the listeners. Please take time to rate, plus review us on iTunes. This is the podcast currency, I say this every week, and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. Secondly, if you're in the growing band of YouTube listeners, please subscribe and like the show. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. And Big J from Dublin, Ireland, did it last week for us. So thank you, Big J. He uh, titled his review, Brilliant Podcast. He gave us five stars. A must listen for all golf fans out there. Listening for about a year now and haven't missed a show since. Always great information and helps me to narrow my usual 10 picks down to four. Thanks for the great show, Big J in Dublin, Ireland. Look, Big J, if Paul and I come across to Dublin to uh, see Barry, um, we'll make sure that you we can meet up for a pint. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Pint of Guinness, yeah. Sounds like We can meet up for a pint with Barry O and Big J over in Dublin. <laughs> That'd be wicked, wouldn't it? Look forward to it, yeah. Definitely. I like the fact that he, he says here, look, 10 picks down to four. You know what he does, don't you? Yeah, he just takes who we're backing and crosses ours off the list. <laughs> That's a superb way. I, I like the strategy, yeah. It's good. To be fair, you can't argue. It's a winner. Back, it? it is a winner. Right, let's review last week, shall we? I don't yeah. think... I think we were talking about Liberty National, weren't we? I mean, I said the scoring would be lower... It was. I didn't account for that. That wind prop cropped up a little bit stronger on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. He got, yeah. he got, he got proper gnarly. Um, yeah, it was, gu- it was gusting twenty twenty five, which on that exposed golf course, as as per Lynx Golf, that's a problem. 
and it really yeah. caught out a few. I mean, Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth, two brilliant win players. Traditionally, they were being blown all over the shop on that fine on the last few holes there. Yeah, we couldn't really see that in the forecast back in back on Monday when when we were doing the uh, no doing the previews and, uh, and looking at it. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it had an impact, didn't it? And uh, clearly, Red Patrick Reed. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. What absolutely. a great round. Oh yeah, I think Reed. You know that that round that he played there to actually get himself into that final group. Mm. Uh, Reed shot sixty seven in the real teeth of that. It's a shame. I I can't take because. I, when when we take uh, variables for the predictor, so soft or firm golf course or or wind or whatever, you need a day of play where the wind is consistent or the conditions yeah. are consistent. The early starters definitely got the rub. I mean, Cameron Champ, he went out first. Him and Danny Winnett went out very early and shot 66s, which were the second yeah. best scores of the day. Hmm. Schnedeker was a little bit further back in the actual tee times and he shot a genuine 8 under 63 in some of that. Yeah, we've seen him do it before, though, Schneider, haven't we? He's, yeah, Torrey Pines, he's, do you remember? Yeah, he's produced some absolutely incredible rounds relative to the field in tough conditions. So that was uh, that was impressive, I thought, from Snedeker, that 63. That's the kind of mm. round that you, you put in the mental note. He's close, very close. Bit yeah. like Pat, bit like Patrick Reed's 63 the week before to close the Wyndham, mm. um, which clearly I glazed over. Now, let's... so. I think this, we, we got the conditions right. We got the golf course right. It really did boil down, when you look at the numbers, to total driving. Those that could hit it long and those that could hit it straight. Yeah. Uh, and the three best players that week were, were Patrick Reed, John Rahm, and Abraham Anser, who we know is a prestigious driver of the golf ball. Mm. But it was interesting with Reed. You know when he's in great nick, he, he can move. All of a sudden, he's, he's fading the ball and drawing the ball because he's, he's clearly a... He's a drawer by nature, but all of a sudden he's he's hitting that power fade yeah, with that little yeah. twirl. Yeah, that's when he when he's in 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 fine. He was feeling comfortable, wasn't he, with his long game? You could see that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the other stat I saw was fifty four leader or co leader. He's converted at, at at two of his three chances over the, since twenty ten. Mm. So he's he's a prestigious closer. Now I'm not sure you can say the same about John Rahm after what I saw on Sunday. That's disappointing. Would he would he hit three to one on something like that in running? He's yeah, cut I, the shots clear, would he? I had him. I I had him on exchange. He he was he was one point three three one point three five when he when he when he um he birded the par five. Yeah, yeah, it was too clear, wasn't he? And then uh, too clear. That's, uh, uh, Reed, Reed as well didn't birdie the par five. But they say on the PJ Tour, and you read this on so many player comments and interviews, as soon as you get defensive, you get caught out. Mm. And that approach shot to the par 3, 14th, he went for safety. The trouble with that is he went for the, the part of the, he hit the part of the green where there was some really a serious undulation humpbacks to get to the hole. Yeah. And it caught him out, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, left himself 10, 12 feet, didn't he? Three putt birdie, uh, yeah. bogey. And then he and then he goes and bangs it in the fairway bunker on the hardest golf course, a hole on golf course. You lose, lose momentum, don't you? And what you don't want on the back nine, particularly seeing as we'd seen what he did at um, in Ireland a few weeks before, where that, on the Sunday he just he just lapped the field, didn't he? He just he just kept motoring forward and, and never looked back. Whereas uh, you know Sunday it was a completely different story, which 
thoroughly disappointing for, for you and for, for the John Ryan backers, I must say. I do... I don't know. I mean, he's he's very, very young still in terms of his PGA Tour experience. Um, I'm just I'm just looking here while we're talking about... He, he hasn't held too many um, 54-hole leads. or it, A lot of his victories, you think of Ireland a few weeks ago at La Hinch, he came from nowhere. Yeah, it came from... Came from well, the, the weekend was incredible, wasn't it? So, so yeah. Up to, I think he only just scraped the cut, didn't he? And then uh, he just produced some... He was thir- yeah, he was, he was 38th going into the weekend. So he, he mm. went 38th, shot 64 to jump to 9th. So he was still quite deep at 9th, and then he shot mm. 62. Yeah. So he was clearly in the scorer's hut about an hour before the tournament finished. But this is what you're saying about momentum. You know, if you, you lose that momentum, if you... You suddenly put the brakes on in the back nine, then it's not just pars you make, and it's bogeys. And you got someone like Patrick Reed who can finish breathing down your neck. It's a, a different game, isn't it? I scanned down the list. He was joint first going into the Players' Championship on the Sunday. Yeah, finished twelfth. Mm. Uh, Farmers Insurance Open this year. He was third going into the final round. Finished fifth. Uh, PGA Championship last year. Third going into the final round. Finished fourth. The one that he did win last year on the European Tour from third going into the final round was the Open Dispania. He does feel a lot more comfortable to me on the European Tour and the PGA Tour. Yeah. I mean, he's got two victories on the on the Euro, on the the PGA Tour, if you think about it, solo victories. One was that breakout win at the Farmers Insurance Open, again, where he came from quite a way back in the pack to actually get that done. He was 13th going into the final round, won it with the final round 65. Mm. And the other victory he had in the United States... Um, going back to last January was the career builder where he got in that head-to-head with Andrew Landry of all people and had to go to a playoff to win it. I think that's one area of Ram's game. I mean, he's a prestigious talent. He's clearly going to be a very, very um, long server in the elite division, you know, top five in the world. You can see that. He just needs to clearly work on that on that closing mentality, from what I saw. And you know, and when you look at him this week, quite rightly because his form is so good, you've got Kepka and McElroy sort of joint favourites at eight to one. Then you've got John Rahm, who's as short as nine and ten to one. Yeah. And from last week, you think to yourself, well, can you back someone like that at ten to one? I think it's from what you said. If he's sitting there two or three shots back. Going into Sunday, he'll be a similar kind of price. Would you prefer him at that position there? Well, you know, if he's in the lead, you know, two to one favourite going into the lead on Sunday and doesn't convert, would you sit back and wait? And if he's, if he, you know, it's almost a Ricky Fowler kind of position, isn't it? Where you'd, you'd rather, from what you've seen recently, you'd rather have him a couple back. And particularly if it's a scorable event, particularly if it's an event where you can go out and be aggressive and make birdies, then that's the kind of you know, he can get himself into that mentality where he goes out and attacks for 18 holes and produces the right kind of round that gets gets him over the line. Well, that is that, yeah, that is the thing with John. Um, and we said that in last week's show. I'm not trying to get all down and heavy on him because clearly he's a fantastic golfer who's going to win yeah. lots of golf tournaments. I'm not suggesting he isn't. But you look at last week, round one, soft, wasn't it? Soft as you like, as we kind of said it would be. Troy Merritt shot 62. Dustin Johnson, another sh- another soft golf course bully, shot 63. And then you add Kevin Kisner, who, again, is a sneaky player in soft conditions, and John Rahm shooting 64s. Mm. 
when that golf course started to firm out, you know, that's where Ram becomes more ordinary, if you like, in yeah. my opinion. And you, that that's backed up actually. When I look at his, you look at his soft golf course. Clearly, there's a. Uh, you look at his soft golf course um, performances compared to firm golf courses when conditions are firm, fast, plenty of roll yeah. on the fairways. The ball isn't just sticking on greens. Uh, Ram, his numbers are nowhere near as impressive. No, no. Where you actually then look at the likes of um, Rory McIlroy. Um, the likes of Justin Thomas on firmer conditions, they're you know they're far more towards the top. They seem to be more overall, I don't know, more kind of overall um, golfers. They they can handle all conditions. Yeah, or they're more experienced, or uh, yeah. you know they've got they've got their heads around you know these differing styles of play that you know you know being able to adapt your game to different conditions uh, quicker than John Rahm has. But as you said a few seconds ago, he's still young, he's still learning. And um, you know, for me, the um, Andalusia Masters uh, of Alderama was a breakthrough for him because he's performing well on a very tough track. And you know, those little improvements he's getting in different styles of uh, tournaments are going to to help him longer term to to achieve what I'm sure he can achieve. You know, which will be multiple multiple majors and. You know, people have talked about him being a potential world number one, and I think he's going to be in that vicinity for a good few years to come. Um, as it, a lot of it will depend on how far ahead of the field uh, Brooks Kepk can get himself and keep himself over the next few years. But, I, uh, I think a lot of it's mentality as well. A lot, you know, a lot of golfers, you know, your Jason Days, you, you top three of my firm statistics on the predictor model. So this is a rolling number over the last five years on the PGA Tour. Jason's day at one. DJ at two, Rory McIlroy at three, Matt Kuchar at four, Jordan Spieth at five. I think you've got to have a mentality with golf courses where the ball isn't, you know, the ball's rolling off greens and scoring's higher, yeah. where you've got, well, bogeys will happen. You don't get frustrated by that. Mm. That's an experience thing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, what's John Rahm? 24, 25 is, is in that kind of bracket, isn't he? He's, he's got a long, long way to go yet. You know, arguably, he's got another ten years till he's reaching his golfing peak. And, uh, plenty to come, I think. Should we talk about? Let's 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 turn this on its head. Clearly, the bigger event this week is BMW Championship. Um, that's mm. that's no, um, you know, you, we're not kidding anyone with that. But um, it's good to have the European Tour back. And I know that you do you you do like the Czech Masters. It's a tournament. It's a regular visit now, isn't it, on the European Tour? Yeah. So do you want to? Should, should we? Should we crack on with the um the D and is it the D and D Czech Masters? The D and D real Czech, Czech Masters. Masters. Yeah. 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 I mean, with the Open and the WGC, and then this fortnight off, which I, when I looked at the schedule at the start of the year, I didn't see a fortnight off in the European Tour schedule. I must say, because if I had, I'd have put myself a nice fortnight away somewhere hot and sunny. So that that must have been a um, a change in the scheduling for, during the course of the season, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the Open and the WGC, and then then no nothing for the last two weeks. Um, it's been about four weeks for many of these players without any kind of action. Yeah. So there's a few of them that are going to be, going to be coming into this, um, you know, pretty rusty. I'd have said, and a few clearly have played at lower levels, and um, uh, you know, some of them have played at some of the higher levels as well. A few of them did get into the Open and uh, one or two into the WGC, but for the most part, it's pretty sparse in terms of recent form. So. 
Um, we're going to have to go on spec for a fair amount of this. Um, you know, over the next few weeks, as I said, we've got a decent run coming up and hopefully the field starts to improve because even though these players have had a, had a month or so off, it really hasn't managed to attract a fantastic field here, which is a bit of a shame, really. And um, one million euro prize fund is probably a, um, a big part of that, which kind of gets the event plumbing the depths with the likes of the Mauritius Open and uh, the Belgian knockout, the Gulf Sixes. Um, anyway, enough of the moaning, because actually, from a betting perspective, I think this is a fantastic heat. There's a lot to get your teeth into. And I think there's a um, a lot of angles you can play with this to, to very try nice, find the Very nice prices in yours this week. Yeah, and, and that's kind of borne out from the market, I think, because if you look at the top of the market, um, you've got joint favourites of four um, pretty much across the piece. I mean, with some bookies, Bernd Wiesberger is the standout favourite, but you can also get 14 to 1 on him. And this is a guy who's won a couple of times in the, in recent weeks as well. Eric Van Royen, who, in my initial stats that I did at the back end of last week, um, I was quite keen on Eric Van Royen, but when he's coming in at 14 to 1 favourite, or joint favourite, it's... Yeah. It's when you have to make a call, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We have yeah, to make difficult calls, don't we, as pundits? Yeah, it's just, that, you know, know it's just and it, you sometimes you just have to it? say, do you know what? If he wins at 14 to 1, so be it. Yeah, yeah, and we know Good he's got a win him. in him. He, he has got a win in him. It's just, he, he just appears to... He, well, it doesn't appear. He is struggling to get that to get over the line, but he's he's close. And had he been a little bit longer, I may have been tempted with Eric, but um, but uh, alas, not. Um, Eddie Pepper was late into the field, and um, again, he's fourteen to one. Lee Westwood fourteen to one. So you got the big four, which has produced some juicier prices further down the field. Thomas Peters, who's won this before, twenty to one. Uh, Robert McIntyre twenty five to one. Defending champion Andrea Pavan at twenty fives, and then. 28 to 1 bar, but as you said, if you look a little bit further down the list, you're getting uh, you're getting a uh, getting a few juicy prizes if you can build a case for a few of these players. Um, this is the sixth year at the Albatross Golf Resort, um, which is a Keith Preston design on the outskirts of Prague. It's a resort course first and foremost, so you've got lots of teeing options. They play this as a par 72 at 7,467 yards. Now, it is at slight altitude. I'm equating it to around about 3%. So you're probably looking at around about 7,200 in, in real terms, in terms, of the, in terms of the yardage. Exposed fairways, large greens, water on seven of the holes, mainly towards the end of the 18, the water. And um, it's in decent conditions. It's a scorable test. Last year, they got into, Andrew Pavan got into the 20s under par. So when conditions are amenable then you are able to make a decent score around these parts five years history as you said Donaldson 12 to 1 in 2014 Thomas Peters 80 to 1 the year after Paul Peterson 250 to 1 wow when he when he held off Thomas Peters that was a cracking jaw I remember that uh, very clearly uh, Hayden Porteous in 2017 uh, who I was on at that year 66 to 1 Andrea Pavan last year 50 to 1 so Again, there's a bit more um, fuel to add to the fire in terms of uh, backing players a little bit further down the list with 50, 66, 80 to 1. That kind of sweet punting spot for for golf, which um, attracts a lot of uh, golf punters. Uh, decent prices to attack, I think. Now, for me, if you look through the recent years, GIR, 
is key. Putting is key. If you look at JR for the last five winners, second, 22nd, first, second and sixth were their rankings relative to the field. For putting, it's even more um, pronounced. Fourth, first, second, second, first on the week for putting. So find those greens, find the birdie putts. Birdies, minimise bogeys, par five scoring seems to be the way to go with this. And I think if you can get that right in decent conditions, then 20 under or thereabouts is probably the right kind of target score again for this week. Um, it was wet there yesterday, Monday. Oh, Looks right. relatively dry. Nice and nice and soft. Yeah, we'll we'll soften the fairways, soften the greens up a little bit. There's a little bit of rain or drizzle, various points in the in the forecast, but nothing more substantial. It looks like it's going to be getting to around about seventy five, maybe up to eighty Fahrenheit. Light winds, nothing more than ten miles an hour. I'm seeing in the forecast, so it should be lovely and scorable for the players out there this year. Uh, Going back through, you've got five years of stats, as I said. The course form of the winners is pretty non-existent. So for the classic current form, course form combination, you're going to be disappointed if you're trying to pluck a winner out of that from what's happened in the past five years. But then bear in mind, it is only five years. So these trends are there to be broken and undoubtedly at some point it will be broken. Andrea Pavan was the best, had the best course form last year, which was miscut 39 coming into the event. So... Not uh, not ideal if you're looking for that kind of uh, uh, indicator. But then now we've got five years worth of stats to to peruse. Perhaps that will start to change as players get their heads around um, how to play this particular track. In terms of incoming form, the last two had uh, a couple of uh, decent shows of form over the last few weeks. They both had two top 20s leading in. Um, going back to Paul Peterson, he'd been playing predominantly on the Asian tour, so there wasn't a great deal to grab onto there. And even though they were relatively fancied, um, Jamie Donaldson and Thomas Peters, and neither of those two had any real sparkling form coming into this. So um, it does kind of throw the event open a little bit and, and that, that allows us then to, to look at players a bit more on spec potentially or, or what they've done in snippets of um, snippets of form over the last few weeks. So it does allow us to go a little bit deeper down into the list. And I've... I've Missed the top four. As I said, if I was going to go for one of the top four, it would probably have been Eric Van Royen, but I really cannot back him at that price. It's just far too short for me. Bernd Fiesberg is clearly, from a winning perspective, the one that you'd probably fancy the most to win, um, given that he's, he has secured those two two victories recently. But again, you know, there's not many players at this level who go and continue to pound out victories you know yeah. month after month so I don't know I mean, I've started my team a little bit further down the first one I've picked is Tom Lewis at 28 to 1 who's uh, who's shown enough recently to get me get me interested here I Tom Lewis we know he had a sparkling amateur career he was leading amateur at the Open back in 2011 he won the Portugal Masters on his third start and then he completely lost the plot didn't he, he lost lost his interest in the game he lost his form just completely fell out of love with the game and until last year he finally got his head around it and I guess with some of these young players the success does come a little bit early for him and it takes a while for him to get their heads around how to approach the game mentally and you know what they need to do to move on to the next part of their career but clearly something clicked with him he was back on the Challenge Tour at the time he finished 10th in Prague um, on a different track to this back on the Challenge Tour 3rd in Sweden won the Bridgestone on the 
on the Challenge Tour. Then he won the Portugal Masters again on the main tour um, for the second time to really stamp himself back into the uh, into the fold of the European Tour. Um, tenth at the Dunhill Links, fifth at the British Masters, seventh at the Earth Course, ninth in Abu Dhabi, third in Saudi Arabia. You know, he really started to side his way back through mm. into a decent, decent position. And he set his personal targets. He said he wants to be top 50 in the world and by the end of the year, 79th at the moment. So that's within grasp if he can have a decent end to the year. Top 30 in the race to Dubai and the, the benefits that that brings you is currently 45th. So both of those targets are very much in the... Uh, you know, in his short-term, um, you know, ability to achieve those uh, the, the, those benchmarks, um, but he has been a little bit quiet um, since those uh, men- so kind of aforementioned uh, finishes from earlier in the season. Um, that was until he finished eleventh at the Open Championship on his last start. That was a big personal best for him from a major championship perspective. So, you know, a bit of confidence coming into this week. Third and sixth here from his last two visits. So if this stat about players who haven't particularly performed well on this track in the past is to to be turned on its head, then someone who has got some decent course form here, um, Tom Lewis, the the combination all seems to be working well for me. And at twice the price of the players at the top of the market, I'm I'm happy to to take a punt on him, I must say. Do you see any link between Portugal and here? Um, in that it's open, in that there's water in play and a lot of the holes, um, in that it's bent grass. Yeah, there's 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 enough to to give you the confidence that if if there's a reason why he likes Portugal, which he clearly does, you know, Villa Moura has been his biggest and uh, you know most prolific track by a long way. But if you go to his second best track, then arguably it's here um, from a, from a results on the European Tour perspective. And yeah, I I think there's. There's enough similarities to, to to draw some lines across the two. So, in my um, um in my memory bank was did Pavan beat Harrington in this last? Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. So you got the got and the Harrington. Harrington yeah, he's done well at Villamora, hasn't he? Mm. He's won there, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's I think there's enough um, parallels between the two courses to draw a line between mm. the two and to. Uh, to assume that there's going to be players who have decent crossover because you know historically there has been so far so so yeah I think um, okay. I think there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to to go with Tom Lewis this week and um, so he sits at the top I've headlined with Tom Lewis uh, Julian Suri is my second pick thirty three to one and um, he was quite a bit short on this over the the, the, the weeks uh, leading up to the you know, the break and the Open Championship etc. But some indifferent form has pushed his price out a little bit. Um, so he's not done a great deal over the last five starts. His best was 15th at the Scottish Open. He was, he was in a decent position going into the weekend and just fell away a little bit. Uh, but before that, you've got um, fourth at the Indian Open, which save for that mad hole, um, 14th hole, I think it was, he, he would have won that at Canter. He was second on his next start in Morocco. Um, there's... A lot of form just behind this this most recent patch of kind of indifferent form to, to give you the confidence that he's actually playing some decent golf. It's just not happened for him over the last last few starts. Um, he won on the Challenge Tour in the Czech Republic um, on another track. It was in Prague. It was a different track to this, but he's clearly got some decent vibes about the area in general. And if you look back at his one piece of course form, 34th, again, it doesn't really stand out as being anything... Um, anything spectacular but it does need a bit of context because if you go back to 2017 which is when he finished 34th it was immediately the week after his maiden win in Denmark 
And actually, for three rounds, he was performing very well the week after. He was sixth going into Sunday here um, in that year and eventually ran out of steam. And you can understand that, you know, he just just secured his first victory the week before. And, uh, you know, to, to, to mentally and physically go back to back is very, very difficult. So he ran out of steam on the Sunday. Um, but I think there's enough there to to give us confidence that he can go and contend again here this week. He's long, aggressive, high greens in regulation when he's on his game. Um, overall, I think Julian Suri is going to put a decent uh, three, four days together this week and potentially push for another European Tour title, which he's very, very capable of doing. You know, he's, for me, he's one of these players that will use this as a stepping stone ultimately and, and will be playing PGA Tour longer term once he gets into that kind of uh, position that allow him to do so. Interesting he's not playing the Corn Ferry playoffs. No. So he's, he's, clear, he's clearly focusing on the European Tour for this year. He's, he's not yeah. just disappeared and I'm going to try and get get on the PGA Tour in the top 25 of those playoffs. He's No, I'm sticking with the European Tour for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah he obviously mm. sees these events coming up as decent opportunities for him. And, and in terms of a fit for a course, I think it, it does work for him nicely this week. And I can understand the logic with that. So... So yes, back him accordingly is my view. Um, three slightly longer prices to finish. Um, Aaron Rye first at fifty to one, and I guess if there's someone who's going to follow the Paul Peterson route to success, it's likely to be Aaron Rye. Eleventh um, for driving extra, eighth for greens and regulation for the season today, and that's with some pretty indifferent form. He's not actually had a top ten in this calendar year, um, albeit he did win in Hong Kong in this wraparound season back in November. Before that, it was 8th at Sun City, which is another one of these long um, bent grass green tracks and uh, played at altitude, so there's some correlation there, I think. What caught my eye, and I know you and I have talked about this off mic, is that he finished 12th at the WGC St Jude on his last start, which yeah. was in elite company, and, and this is a massive step down in class compared to that. He yeah. was 3rd for driving accuracy that week, 2nd for greens and regulation, um, so clearly striking the ball very, very nicely. And the golfing class between that event and this will be pretty stark. So to get 50 to 1 against a player who um, finished in the top dozen in elite the WGC event, I know. Mm. Felt mm. Uh, felt pretty strong to me. For me, I, he was kind of coming in at a 33 to 1 shot in my mind. So 50 Maybe the layers are thinking that he's too short to win around here, but kind of Paul Peterson goes against that theory, it does, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, it does. And as I say, if you... Consider if you're pounding are... greens, that's 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 the impetus, isn't it? You've just got to be metronomic on the greens, and that, that... your greens, make your putts. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it's he does. A, it's essentially a seven thousand two hundred yard um, risk reward type of track. So, if he if he can find fairways, find greens, make some putts, I think he can follow that Paul Peterson route, as you said. Um, mm. He was seventh going into the weekend here last year, so you know clearly can play the track as well, and with that little bit of uh, momentum from. His performance back in Memphis, I think he can uh, he can push on this week. Um, Adriana Adrian House sixty six to one. I've also backed, um, and again, there's a few of these talented young players coming through both sides of the Atlantic, isn't there? But on the European Tour side, I don't think anyone would be surprised to see Arnaus get over the line. The young Spaniard, um, twenty seventeen, he won the Alps Tour Grand Final. Twenty eighteen, the Challenge Tour Grand Final. And when he's on his game, high GIR, he's long, he's aggressive, he can tackle these par fives um, and really score heavily, which I think will be critical to success this week. 
second in Kenya, second of Valderrama, which you wouldn't really put down as a an amenable track for someone like Arnaus, but um, clearly when he's on his game, he can tackle any track by the looks of it. Um, still a bit erratic. He's not the finished article by any stretch. Um, and that's the, the risk you're taking at the price on offer. Um, but I think this is a more suitable test for him. And um, he will win. And he will. Uh, it will be no surprise to me. And I don't think it will be a surprise to, to many observers of the European Tour when he does get over the line. And finally... Um, this is what I was quite. In fact, this 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 is the player that I back first, um, and I was I was dead set on him back at the end, end of last week. Um, is Brandon Stone eighty to one? Um, if you go back to twenty seventeen when I picked um, Hayden Porteous, there were a few angles I picked out there, particularly seeing someone who had been driving the ball and um, getting some decent total driving stats um, on the. Um, to his name over the previous weeks and if you look at Brandon Stone's headline form it looks awful I mean he's got a couple of 34th place finishes over the last few weeks but prior to that it's just a sea of missed cuts and, and poor finishes uh, but if you dig deeper into those performances which were at the, the Irish and Scottish Open those 34th place finishes he was first for total driving on both weeks he was second and first for ball striking respectively on those weeks clearly his long game is very very strong um, he's, cut, he's won a couple of times back on uh, South African soil. Uh, he's also won the Scottish Open in better company, far better company, with that fl- that closing round of 60, which, uh, which I'm sure you'll remember, where he just scythed his way through the field uh, to convert that week. Um, yeah. He has a little bit of course form here. He, he, he did make the cut on his um, att- his first attempt. He finished 75th in the end, but he made the cut when he's uh, he was a tall rookie. He was playing on the Challenge Tour mainly at the time. Um, so again, it kind of fits in with this, you know, it has played the course, but not particularly well theory from some of the previous players. Um, but uh, I couldn't ignore the fact that he'd been striking the ball so well. It's um, th- Those numbers just stick out like a sore thumb. There's uh, with some parallels to how Adrian oh, yeah. Porteous was playing uh, before he, he won. He's hitting greens for fun, isn't he? Stone at the moment. Hitting greens. Uh, yeah, even even back at the Open Championship where he missed the cut, I think, you know, relative to the field, he was something like third for greens hit and just couldn't make a putt that week. So he will need to putt well this week. Um, but he's a streaky putter. When he finds that uh, flat stick, he can, as we saw uh, yeah. in Scotland. And it's going to it's gonna be on bent grass, being a South absolutely. African. That's where he's yep. going to find them. Pure bent yep. grass greens. Yeah. Yep. It absolutely is... Uh, his bag bent grass green. So yeah, put it all together. I'm happy to take a take a chance on Brandon Stone at eighty to one. So yeah, that's my five. I've just I've physically I've just physically backed Arnus and Stone as you were going through that. <laughs> I've managed I I to take you. the I've taken the seven places at Betfair Sportsbook. I thought I could hear you feverishly tapping away in the background. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Arnoos is the one that, when I read your tips, um, Arnoos yeah. was the one that jumped out to me. Yeah. Because he was, uh, that performance of Outer Armour a few outings ago was, yeah. for, for a player who plays like he does, power, G-I-R, to actually have the ability to also, um, to actually go to irons and play play tactical golf like he must have done that week at Valderrama shows a good golfer yes yeah there's, there's a lot to come with him I think and we don't really know what his best suit's going to be you know you, you could pigeonhole him as just a, an absolute bomber but as you said you know that, that doesn't really bear itself out from a performance like that at Valderrama which demands a very difficult a mm. very different type of game so 
Yeah, I, I'll be fascinated to see how he performs and develops over the next few years because I think this is a guy with a, a very bright future. Um, and that first win's coming. It's, it's, you know, he's knocked on the door a couple of times so far this season, and I think when it all clicks one week, he'll um, he'll just walk an event. So, yeah, have... the Irish Open as well. Thirteenth for GIR, eighteenth for driving accuracy, seventh for total driving, fifth for ball striking. Yeah, he's 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 ripe, isn't he, Arnus? Yeah, he's one of these new new breeds of golfer, isn't he? he? Clearly hits the ball long, hits it straight enough to get some decent stats. And those weeks where he does perform on and around the greens, he's very, very dangerous. So, yeah, happy to be on board this week. I must say. He sounds absolutely perfect for the Albatross Golf Resort. So, yeah, I'm on our noose. I'm, I'm sorry for that, Paul. <laughs> I really am sorry. But sometimes right. you, I actually listen to what you're telling me and I think, oh, yeah. That it all logically works out. So yeah, I'm on those two at the bigger prices. Yeah, we'll both we'll both be we'll both be collecting on Sunday, Steve. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> okay, I, I I don't know why call call, call me anally retentive, but the Czech Masters is always a European Tour event I like. Mm. Um, I like I like the one in Scandinavia as well next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a different track next week. It's the Hills Golf Club next week. But, yeah, they so. move around, don't they? But yes, we'll uh, we'll take a look. Clearly, no no Thorbjorn or Nelson unless uh, something dramatic happens in the meantime. But uh, we'll see. BMW Championship, second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs of twenty nineteen. Clearly, we've got a new structure. Um, this would have been traditionally the Boston event where there would have been a hundred players being cut to seventy. We've now had the huge cut from one twenty five to seventy. You actually, uh, Jeff Feinberg tweeted this out like yesterday. Um, if you actually look at the quality of this field, it's probably the best field of the year. Mm. You know, the top 70 in the PGA Tour. Yes, you haven't got Fitzpatrick or Wallace or Avisberger, um, a few of the European Tour guys. Um, you've lost Garcia, but actually on form, uh, the depth here is just amazing. It's a very, very strong event, as you would expect. It's the top 70 players in the PGA Tour, after all. Now, before I go into the golf course, they're playing a beautiful golf course this week, course number three at Medina Country Club. So think to uh, 1999-2006 PGA Championships, both won by Tiger Woods, and of course the 2012 Ryder Cup. Um, It's a beauty. Um, it's a, it's completely different to what we saw at Liberty National last week. Mm. But I want to... One of my picks is very much based upon the mental um, approach that I think the top players in the game are going to be taking to this this week. And that is purely around how they're organising the FedEx Cup this year. Now, if we remember last, uh, you know, previous years... Um, the BMW Championship would have been the third of four events. Um, it would also have been a scenario where you had to get into the top five in the FedEx Cup playoff rankings to have the chance of winning the Tour Championship and guaranteeing the FedEx Cup overall yeah. title. That's right, yeah. So if you were, um, if you, I don't know, if you were fourth heading in to this or you were third heading into this, actually winning this title would clearly make you a hell of a lot of money. It would clearly boost you to number one in the rankings. But to all intents and purposes, 
it would make no difference because you would have exactly the same chance as number five in the FedEx Cup arriving at the Tour Championship. That's right. Your destiny was in your own hands before, wasn't it? Anyone in the top five, regardless of what else happened, um, you won. You won the whole shebang, didn't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Now this year is completely different because, as we said last week, and I've I've been looking into this a little bit more since then. We've got the FedEx Cup starting strokes index, which comes into effect from the Tour Championship next week. So those players rank 26th to 30th in the FedEx Cup rankings. As they arrive in Atlanta next week, we'll start at level par. If I'm arriving ranked number one in the FedEx Cup standings, heading into the Tour Championship next week, I'm at 10 under par. If I'm number two in the rankings, I'm at eight under. Three at minus seven, number four at minus six, and number five at five under. Now, for me, all of a sudden, if I'm a Rory McIlroy, I'm a Brooks Kepka, I'm a Dustin Johnson, um, I'm thinking to myself, well, that is a huge material difference where against my fifth closest rival to win this whole thing, I'm five shots ahead standing on the first tee. That's a huge advantage, especially at a golf course like Eastlake, which isn't going to be a 25 under par birdie fest. It's going to be... Yeah, 10 dip, 12 dip, under, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 10 or 12 under, depending on conditions. Now, it's a tough golf course, Eastlake, isn't yeah, it? Every yeah. shot has to be fought for. And that's kind of steered me in the direction of my top tip this week, because... If I'm a if I'm a Kepka, I'm a McElroy, even a Patrick Reed, anyone near the top, you know, anyone where a difference is going to make a well, to be fair, it could be anyone, couldn't it? Because J- Patrick Reed last week jumped from fiftieth to second in the P- in the yeah, Cup you? standings. Yeah. If you win this jump. week, yeah, if you win this week, in all likelihood, you're going to be the FedEx Cup number one. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's 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 going to be a slight mentality difference this week, potentially. Um, because winning this week really does make a huge difference to your overall chances of pocketing that eleven and a half, that fifteen million dollar check next week. Yeah. The golf course itself, I mean, I've cl- I've already said um, it's a classic, um, tree lined. But the thing that grabs you about Medina Country Club is its length. We were dealing with what seven. Three, I think it was, or high seven or seven four last week. This is a seven thousand six hundred yard par seventy two. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal, wasn't it? The par threes, four of which, you know, we've got. We, it's a classical. It's a it's a typical seventy two. Four par threes, four par fives. The threes measures one ninety three, one ninety two. And then we've got a 245-yard par three, the 13th. Yeah. And we've also got a 201-yard par three. I think I'll be laying up to the uh, to the 245-yard one. What, into the water in front of the group? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, reload. It's a decent strategy. At least then you, you can reload closer to the green for your third. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Wedge it in. Yeah. So pretty brutish par threes. Mm. The par fives themselves. Uh, the fifth is a five thirty six yard gimme. 
Uh, the seventh is 617 yards. Um, the 14th is 609 yards. And we have the 10th as well, which is at 578. So by my reckoning, the 5th and the 10th are reachable pretty much to everybody. Mm. Um, the 7th and the 14th are two very lusty straight blows. Um, so if you can hit the ball long and straight, you've got a massive advantage on those par fives. Mm. And we're dealing with eight shot, you know, with eight birdie opportunities there across the seventh and the fourteenth. Those holes also play. You know, normally you look at the par fives and they pretty much rank fifteen through eighteen in terms of difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find with those two par fives, um, they they could be in the top half in terms of difficulty on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, it's not gimme birdies by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. And there's there's bo there's bogeys lurking and potentially doubles there if you're mm. really wayward off the tee. Which, as yeah. we know on the PGA Tour, there are plenty of professionals out there that don't tend to worry about any kind of accuracy off the tee. They just bang it as far as they can. Mm. I think this course will catch you out if you're in that kind of that kind of um, mindset. What it shouts to me, though, overall is, I thought I always thought last week would be total driving. I think this week, the number that we're looking for, and I, I'm sorry, um, American listeners, uh, total driving, you dinosaur, ball. I actually think ball striking as well this week is going to be critical. So if you can be long and fairly straight off the tee, and then absolutely metronomic in your, in your approach play, with your um, with your woods on the par fives and also with your long irons, mm. I think that's they're the players that are going to gravitate to the top yeah. this week. Um, for me, um, I want I also looked for players that clearly go very well on classical golf courses. This being, in in essence, I mean it's it's fairly obvious, isn't it? This hosted the nineteen ninety nine and two thousand and six PGA Championship. It is yeah. a PGA Championship golf course. Yeah, it's a major venue. Yeah, yeah set up. Yeah, I I, I I would even hone it in down from that pool. It's a PGA Championship golf course. It's a very long classical design. Mm. So players that play well at PGA Championships, big tick in the box. Yeah. And as we know with PGA Championships, it tends to be those that can hit it very long and those that can hit lots and lots of greens that eventually get the job done, yeah? Mm. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a putting contest. That being said, I've actually gone for Brent Schnedeker as one of my tips. There you go. Um, there are different ways of skinning cats, aren't there? Um, I think... From a mentality perspective, I genuinely think that that carrot this week is going to be far too tempting to the very top guys in the rankings this week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about not just jostling for position; it's about securing that position this week, isn't it? So, as you said, Patrick really jumped all up to second. Even Ab Abraham Answer last week, he went from sixty seventh to eighth with his finish. So those players who are you know, not even in the Tour Championship or languishing a bit further down, they can make a serious charge and a serious you know, position change by having a good week this week. Well, the other thing with answer was, of course, that now all of a sudden, for a player that hasn't won on the PGA Tour, 
and is wasn't until now a member of the world's top 50 all of a sudden he's got wgc's and major championships guaranteed in his 2020 schedule next year yeah. Getting in that top thirty for the tour championship is su- it opens huge doors for yeah, non elite yeah. non elite players. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a massive thing, isn't it? For a player, hasn't so. won this season. Yeah, it's... now um, I think there's various ways of cutting it this week. Um, I've got to say, and you you you're aware of this, Paul, because we were talking about it all through the day yesterday, and we were also talking about it off mic this morning. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with a lot of the prices this week, but you know, at the end of the day, you've got the very best gut players in the world playing this week. So, and there's only seventy players. Um, I have to applaud um, Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy Power, Boyle Sports across a seventy-man field. They are offering seven places each way of fifty odds, which I think mm. is a fantastic proposition. Uh, when I was checking the odds out late last night and also this morning, I thought Betfred were offering some fantastic prices. So um, if you haven't got a Betfair account or you haven't got a Betfred account uh, and you're serious about your betting this week, uh, you know, Betfair are offering some great prices in seven places, which is a, clearly a huge carrot. Um, but Betfred, very, very strong on pricing and an additional place, six places a fifth. A lot of the bookmakers this week, because of the 70-man field, have gone to five, uh, the traditional five places in a quarter. Yeah. So if you're looking for places and odds, I think Betfred's not a bad spot to be. Um, there always tends to be, as well, players that place in this that are around the bubble. So if we look at the bubble at the moment, Corey Connors at 27, Louis Oosthausen at 28, Harold Varner the third at 29, Putnam at 30 on the FedEx Cup. We've then got the likes of outside of that, Ryan Palmer, Jason Kokrag, who you think about it, long, straight, high GIR. Mm. This is the kind of course that Kokrag could go well on. Also at 33 and 34, two elite golfers, Hideki Matsuama and Francesco Molinari. They need a big week, don't they? If they want to, yeah, get into the top thirty, and I, I can't see why you wouldn't. Um, I think I still think Matsuama's got some big issues on board. Yeah, um, not, he's yeah, not firing not at all, is he? No, Francesco, quite, no. though, he, he finished very, very well at the Open Championship on his second from last outing, didn't he? Um, shook off the rust last week in New York. I could see Molinari popping up and going well this week and grab and a sixty-six to one, I believe. Mm. I think there's worse bets than Frankie this week. Um, Tiger Woods is at 38, I believe. Yeah. And Billy Horschel at 39. I'd be very surprised if one of those four players, or if not a couple of them, get seriously in the mix this week. Yeah. Does Tiger play? Not sure. Jordan Spieth, of course, also at 44. Yeah, Um, it's it's just showing bits, Spieth, isn't he, without... Stringing those four rounds together, it is going to pop at some time, some point. If he drives the ball as badly as last week around here, I think he's going to be in severe trouble. Mm. The only thing that goes for you here, and I read about this, goes for Jordan this week. Um, A lot of player interviews from 2006, a lot of players clubbed down. Tiger Woods said that when he won this in 06, he only used pull driver out the bag six times. Mm. 
on all of the par fives and the longer of the par fours because a lot of the par fours are dog legs. Yeah, yeah. And he, position. yeah, he said back then, bearing in mind that back then he was one, you know, probably the ultimate driver of the golf port. You know, yeah, he was basically. You know, he could hit the ball as far as he wanted and he he didn't mind cutting corners on dog legs. He said there yeah. was too much risk involved in actually trying to cut corners. So he was just he was using three 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 wood and two iron just to position to the corner of the hole and mm-hmm. then approach with a longer iron from there. And I think that's the name of the game this week. We are looking, Paul, for players that are fantastic from one seven five yards out. Great with longer irons and with dry and uh, with woods into greens. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. That's where I've kind of come to with this. Mm. That, in a way, works for Spieth because I don't think Spieth's going to have to pick driver out of the bag as much as he probably no, did it, last week. If it, if it negates that to to a degree, it does does bring some other players into the mix, doesn't it? So I've gone for three this week. Um. I'll go in reverse order, why not? Uh, for me, there's two groups of players that win this year in, year out. There's players that are in the top three in the FedEx Cup arriving, and there's players that are outside of the top three. So if you look at this, you go back to Tiger Woods in 09, Rory McIlroy in 12. We also had uh, just Jason Day in 15, and we had uh, Dustin Johnson in 16. All had a fantastic summer. All were in the top three in the FedEx Cup and came here and stonked it. The longest price of those was Dustin Johnson at 10 to 1. The other kind of player that does well here, apart from Keegan Bradley, who threw the model out the um, out the window last week, even <laughs> saying that, kept, um, Bradley had actually shown some form before he won 140 to 1. He was second at Ridgewood at the Northern Trust after 54 holes. Yeah. Finished 30, had a meltdown, finished 34th. Yeah, he was, sev- he was seventh after 36 holes at Boston the week before and then finished 49th. So two big old meltdowns. He'd finished fourth at the RBC Canadian Open. But you could kind of see Aronimink was dripping wet. It was soft as you like. Um, he was firing some very, very low rounds. I mean, he shot at Ridgewood a 62 in round three, which was the best of the day. So he was clearly in soft conditions playing some great golf. And as we know, he was you know, he's a great approach player. Again, Bradley is the kind that could go well this week, although on the basis that he's defending, I'm not going anywhere near him. He's still but a apart- fragile, doesn't he? Yes, yes. I mean, he was 140 to 1, wasn't he, last year? And yeah, he's, he's Keegan Bradley, isn't he? But you look beyond that, Leishman, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Billy Horschel. Horschel had finished second the week before at Boston. Yeah. People said, well, you know, he should have actually won the tournament. Uh, Mark Leishman, he finished third at Boston the week before, came here and won at 45-1. to I was on him that week. He should have probably won that instead of Justin Thomas. So there's that kind of element to it. Players that played well at the week before. And Leishman was 45 to 1. Horschel was 66 to 1 when he won in 2014, even yeah. though he finished second the week before. Um, 
there's that kind of player. There's that kind of angle. Now, people will probably should be shouting into their um, into their device now, saying, "Steve, so is John Rahm's going to win? John Rahm's going to win. He should have won last week. He's going to win this week. Yeah, he probably, he could win, couldn't he? You know, we're talking about you know someone that's very good with their ball striking, someone that's hitting tons of greens at the moment. It does shout John Rahm. The only thing that I don't like about John Rahm this week is clearly his price." Which, as we said at the top of the show, um, his price isn't in that forty to fifty to one range where you can, you know, effectively at eleven to one, he's got a win, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, he's not an each way no, punt, is he? There's no, there's no value in there each way, and you've got to be able to look past what happened on the, not just the back nine, the final four or five holes last week on Sunday, and you know, does that have any kind of mental effect on John Rahm? Some players you can shrug that straight off. Um, yeah, well, I'm, Billy Horshaw not... and Mark Leishman, they did shrug it off. Does it? Yeah. Does that? We'll see if John Rahm shrugs it off this week, mm-hmm. won't we? Yeah. Because he knew, and I read his interview afterwards, he knew that he threw that tournament away. Yeah, he did. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, going down that, I looked at the prices this week, and I looked at the record last week, players that played well at Liberty National. The one that really jumped at me was Brant Schnedeker. He's still available right now this morning at sixty-six to one with Unibet. Yeah. Now that's a five. That's that's. Um, I think they've just changed their terms. You know, I think they were six and a fifth earlier. Now they all of a sudden they've become five and a quarter. Apparently, oh. that's naughty if they have. Um, he's sixty-six to one with uh, Unibet this morning. I've taken him at the seven place each way, and I've gone for the fifty to one. And you look at Branch Schnedeker. He doesn't follow the model of the ball striker, but what he's fantastic at, he's firstly fantastic at playing very long classical golf courses. He's a two-time winner at Torrey Pines. He's also finished second at Torrey Pines, yeah? Yeah. Tick in the box. That's the longest golf course on the PGA Tour every year. Um, He's won at Pebble Beach twice, a classical major championship venue, just like Torrey Pines is. Mm. He's also very good on tree-line golf courses. Think Glen Abbey, think Sedgefield, think Harbour Town. All tight, claustrophobic tree-line golf courses. Great on bent grass and natural putter. And when I look at my eight-week trackers that I keep up to date um, across um, the PGA Tour, just to get a trend... Of you know that breaks me away from season long statistics, so yeah. I can then get a, get a feel for what's happening there and here and now. Schnedeker, top twenty of of greens in regulation in this field, yeah. That's rare for Schnedeker, very rare. Top twenty in putting, that is Brand Schnedeker, yeah. Yeah. Top twenty. I've added this this week. Top twenty for scrambling. So if you look at my preview this week, I've now got a rolling top twenty scrambling number. Um, he's fifteenth in the top uh, in the scrambling rolling number over the last eight weeks on the tour. Mm. Yeah, all aspects so, of his game—they're all there. Are in, they? are in very nice alignment, aren't they? Hitting greens, putting, and his well, hitting greens in his short game is just where it always tends to be. Mm. So on Monday morning, it would or Sunday night when you're sitting there, you know, holding your head and shaking your head. If if Schnedeker was to win this, I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form, based upon the fact that he's at that nice mid fifty to sixty-six to one price point that 
that winners can be around here. He's got a lot of heritage on on classical golf courses. And let's not forget, this man is a real winner on the PGA Tour. Mm. He has won on the PGA Tour nine times. So he can close golf tournaments, can't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it doesn't know how to get over the line, it has to be said. And you can't say that about plenty in this field, which takes me on to Tony Fee now, my next tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps things will change for Tony. Perhaps it's all about the change. How do you see Tony winning on the PJ Tour? Where, 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 where do you think it will come? Will it be a run-of-the-mill domestic t- t- thing, or will it be a tournament, or will it be a, a, a high-grade event? His, his major performances have been outstanding, haven't they? You know, if you can translate some of that. Perhaps it's another one of these players who just struggles to get this juices flowing for the, the run-of-the-mill events. and you know He's got that one solitary, what was it, what was it Puerto Rico who won back in yeah. the day? Um, but yeah... Other than that, you'd expect him to, to put away, you know, just a standard PGA Tour event at some point during the during the, the, the forthcoming. But perhaps perhaps this is this is the kind of event that's going to turn him on. Perhaps where where he's got a, you know he's got to perform, he's got to put himself in position so he can, yeah, you know, he have a decent starting, starting. Is he another? He's another Brooks Kepka light. I mean, he's he's extra light, isn't he? For you now in terms of wins, but you know he's a, he's another X man. He's another. Yeah, potentially. He's potentially another, another Xander who focuses on the bigger events and uh, isn't that bothered and concerned about how he performs on the smaller events. But, you know, it, it, the push has come to shove now, hasn't it? These, you're down to 70 players. You're down to 70 elite players, as you said, who um, all need to perform this week. And perhaps that will focus the mind of players like Finau. I don't think the schedule's helped him this year, Finau, because he's not, and I don't care what anyone says, he struggles on Bermuda. Mm. He just struggles on Bermuda. He doesn't like it. Um, he can't get on with it. He's a, he's more of a bent grass, bent grass, bent power. Even Poana, he can play it. Yeah. Um, and don't forget this. This he was in the final group with Francesco Molinari and Tiger Woods at the Masters this year. Finished fifth. A few weeks ago, in those terrible, horrible conditions over in Northern Ireland, he finished. He finished third at the Open Championship. Yeah. And we're finding him at this juicy mid-price kind of area. Last week at um, Liberty National, 15th for strokes going tee to green. He was 8th for total driving. He was 5th for ball striking. He was 16th for greens in regulation. If you look at across the whole 121-man field. Mm. So he's hitting the ball very, very nicely. 5th at Augusta National. 2nd at Colonial. Third at the Open. So those three events, all with bent grass-based greens, yeah? You extrapolate that. Go back to the end of last year. Fourth at Boston. Eighth at Aronimink. Second when he came so close to winning the HSBC Champions World Golf Championship event. Got pipped by the X-Man, didn't he, in a playoff, was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was very tight, if I remember then. Bent grass links pretty much all of those tournaments together. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So I can see Fee now going very well this week. Don't forget as well, President's Cup cut off of both the international and the Team USA squads this week. 
Uh, top eight from both go, go through to the President's Cup being played down in Australia in December. Um, they also announced, finally announced, that the President's Cup captain's picks are going to be after the WGC event in China. Yeah. That's completely new. So effectively, if you don't make the grade, don't make the top eight, you've still got the events between next week and uh, the HSBC to impress Tiger Woods and also impress... Who's the international? Is it Ernie Els? Yeah, it is Ernie Els, yeah. Yeah. Um, Finau is just outside the automatic spots, but if he can get some kind of top three, top four finish going on this week, that really will heap the pressure on Patrick Cantlay, who is the incumbent of the eighth spot in the President's Cup rankings. Mm. Um, I must say, I was not impressed with Cantlay's game at all last week. From t- I think he was... Oh, I don't. I think he was hitting. It was something like eight. His ball striking in rounds three and four were all over the place, mm. and I don't think that's going to bode very well for a round here. For Cam. No, no. You and you, you'll have watched him quite intently because you backed him last week. So yeah, it's uh, not ideal. He was scrambling and putting brilliantly, but his his trademark approach play was very poor. Mm. And I actually think that approach play is going to be the key this week. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. So yeah, Fee now, I've gone one and a half points each way, 35 to one with Betfair. Um, he's been backed in quite heavily. So uh, the best price you'll get out there with the firms that are going five and a quarter, like a Ladbrokes or William Hill, is 40 to one on Tony Fee now. Finally, uh, I went for this strategy back in 2012 with Rory McIlroy, uh, seven to one, he won, went win only. I've had to just go win, it, win only on Brooks Kepka. And it's purely on the basis that I think Kepka will want will arrive this week, um, warmed up. You you look at Kepka's wins; they all tend to be when he's played the week before. Yeah. And he openly admits now that he doesn't practice on his weeks off, does nothing. No, but he, he was seen out on the range after some of his rounds last week, wasn't he? So he's clearly started to put uh, put some effort into to these last few weeks. And yeah, I think last week was just a warm up, wasn't it? This week, this week and next are the ones where he's really targeting. And we we touched on this in the podcast last week. You know, how does he approach these three weeks? Does he does he go out all guns blazing at the Northern Trust and kind of coast through, or does he build up to kind of a crescendo over this week and next? And I can certainly see a logic by by putting Brooks up at the top this week. If he doesn't win, I don't think it's going to be for want of trying. Put it that way. Mm. I, that that's where I'm at with it. I think he is going to be giving it full beans this week to actually get that win. And as we know with Brooks, when he's focused, when he wants something, it's going to take a very good player to beat him if he's 100% mentally switched on. Um, it was interesting, I thought, the way he started on Sunday. I think he was five under through seven holes. Yeah, he did, yeah. He's, he really got motoring and then just uh, took his foot off the gas, didn't he? Maybe that was just him actually seeing what was literally there. Yeah. And if he plays like that this week, he's going to dominate. And at yeah. the end of the day, this is a PGA Championship golf course and his record in PGA Championships is absolutely phenomenal. 
I uh, read this out this morning on the on the golf betting show that I've put on um, put on YouTube. His record is unbelievable. PGA Championships. Just bear with me while I find it. <laughs> Makes for good uh, good podcast. This fifteenth um, in twenty fourteen, fifth in twenty fifteen, fourth in twenty sixteen. Thirteenth uh, in twenty seventeen, one in twenty eighteen, one in twenty nineteen. PGA Championships were made for Brooks Kepka. Yeah, he hits it long. He hits it straight. He's a GIR monster. What else do you need to know? I would love to see this week a head to head between him and a Rory McIlroy, a Dustin Johnson, a Jordan Spieth type character. It was interesting with the market, wasn't it? McElroy opened up as favourite for this. I and you're looking at it. it. No, and you're looking at it and thinking, well, you know, McElroy, Kepka, you know, we, we saw it a couple of weeks back. Um, when push came to shove, Kepka just, just walked away with the title. And, you know, those two head-to-head at the moment, I think Kepka's got the beating of him. Yet McElroy had been put up as favourite for this. It, it, that, that was wrong. It's been corrected now, and clearly the market's adjusted accordingly. But... Uh, they're pretty much joint favourites now. But yeah, on first show yesterday morning, McElroy was favourite. And Kepka, there was a little bit of nines about him. Yeah. I genuinely think if it comes to push to shove, um, yeah, I think Kepka can intimidate any golfer now on the roster on the PGA Tour. Yeah. And I genuinely think that he will be gunning to get that minus 10 position for next week. Because mm. if you're at 10 under, for example... And you've got Rory McIlroy in the seven under or the six under position. I don't care what anybody says. That four stroke difference is a huge psychological blow from the outset. Yeah. Yeah, and on a track like East Lake, as you said, where it isn't going to be, red, you know, you'd be more relying on the player at the top to be making mistakes than you going through and you know beating him by five strokes because unlikely, isn't it? There's not going to be that massive a variance of the players at the top. There's not going to be a 22 under player at the top of the top of the uh, leaderboard or the pseudo. Someone isn't going to turn up at East Lake on Thursday and shoot 61 nine under par, are they? Just, it's not going to happen. It's not that kind of golf course. And I think seeing Brooks Kepka at the head of the Tour Championship leaderboard when they're practicing on Tuesday and Wednesday. A lot of the players will be going. How the how are we going to beat Brooks when he's already leading? Mm. So yeah, I, I can see him genuinely going for it this week. So I've gone five points to win at eight to one. So go Brooks. That's all I say. So Kepka, Finau, and Snedeker for me. What about you? Have you had any? Chance yeah, I, to look I, at I, this? yeah, I, I, I've got to agree. I think if there's a winner, it is Brooks. Brooks Kepka. Um, and I think the, the win only play is the, the the right angle of attack this week. Um, from an each way perspective, I've stuck with Billy Horschel um, for the third week on the trot. Uh, I, I, I still think there's something bubbling under with Billy, and I still think he's very, very close to doing something. We know he, he loves the playoffs. We've seen that in the past, haven't we? Um, he's been producing good rounds without putting all four together over the last few weeks. He was um, was second to halfway at the WGC at Memphis, 67-66 to open. He finished with 65-64 at the Wyndham. He's 67-67 in the two middle rounds last week. Um, It just needs to stick four rounds together and he's going to be very, very close to winning, I think. Uh, Winner of this event back in 2014, third last year, 10th in 2016, so likes the event. 
uh, still putting very, very well. He's been 13th or better for putting on each of his last four stateside events. So um, putting well, but we know when he plays his best golf, it's when he's, uh, his, his irons are absolutely on form. And he does need to find his irons. That's what you... That's the chance you're taking at the price, and I've taken 55 to 1 on him. Um, the chance you're taking is that he maintains that putting, but he does find the kind of form that you know he's well capable of with his irons. But everything else is working. Fourth scrambling last week as well. Um, putting well, short game's good. Just fire those irons, Billy, and I think you can get yourself bang into the mix this week. But yeah, if, if, if I'm hand on heart, who's going to win this golf tournament? Brooks Koepka. If you're for looking me. for an each, yeah. If you're looking for an each, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. We're doomed, aren't we? Um, <laughs> if you're looking for a great each way punt, someone that needs to play well is striking their, the ball beautifully right now, but doesn't win in America. It's Louis Oosthuizen, mm. forty to one, seven places with Betfair Sportsbook. I'd rip your hand off. Oh, I tell you, I just always struggle backing him because. But no, no, I'm I'm, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking purely for the each way return. If you're having a single bet on it, you wanted someone that's going to give you half a run for your money, and you'd be happy to take the place. Louis, he doesn't win, does he? I'm, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm very aware. I put up Tony Fina this week, but um, Louis is playing some great golf, and forty to one on him finishing top seven. Yeah, I think that's a very good price. Paul, I almost backed Paul Casey. I have to say, it, forty-five to one as well. Yeah, it's not a major, Steve, so I'd let you get away with it. Mm. I think Paul Casey, you know, a ball striker's golf course. Mm. He has got history in these playoff events as well. Boston, uh, a couple of years ago at, uh, where was it? It was the one that Dustin Johnson won at Crooked Stick. Um, yeah. The only thing with Casey is he didn't play last week, which I never like. I don't like players to just... Dr- that come in and come out of of these playoffs. I yeah. think you've got to play the lot of them and get get immersed in it. Well, you do now that there's only three events. It's it's even mm. more critical that you you're in the mix, isn't it? If you were just to finish, if you're looking at that Presidents Cup squad, and you're looking at that final spot, you've got Cantley and eight. You've then got Finau and Fowler, and I believe you've got Kevin Kisner and Patrick Reed. Those are the four that can qualify. Who do you think is going to get that eighth spot? Well, Reed's going to be in anyway, isn't he? Because Reed's going to get the pick. He'll get um, the pick. Yeah. I yeah. On that basis, I think he knows he's done the job. I can see mm. Reed finishing top seven again, but can't see him winning it. No. I yeah. I got feel it's probably Cantlay's position probably holds. He holds up on. Yeah. And that's probably right. I think he's he's the right player out of the. Out of the but then you know, as you say, if Tony Finnell comes out this week and uh, and, and does perform, then that's going to put serious pressure. Well, that's it. As you said, it's it's done after this week, isn't it? It doesn't matter what yeah. happens at Eastlake. It's, it's it's purely on this week. So, so Cantley needs to perform. There's a, there's a lot of players with a lot of pressure on their shoulders this week. It's got to be said. It's going to be a fascinating event. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good week across both. We also quickly we we mentioned this the other day, didn't we? At the end of a podcast, it's the start of this Corn Ferry playoff scenario. Mm. So twenty five PGA Tour cards on offer. They're starting with the Nationwide Children's Hospital Championship. It's always a, mm. it's always a bit of a mouthful, that one. Victor Hovland has been priced up at eleven to one. Standout favourite by a long stretch as well, isn't he? 
Well, he would be, wouldn't he? You know, you got Victor Hovland or Bronson Bagoon in a second favourite. Mm. A little slightly different price. I genuinely think a double across Kepka and Hovland is a decent shout this week. Yeah, it's what you're getting. 11 and 8 to 12 and 9. 107 to 1. Yeah, that's yeah, worst bets out there, isn't it? If Hovland, turn, if, if Hovland turns up and plays anything like his A game, because he knows, turns up this week, wins the golf tournament, he's on the PGA Tour next year. Yeah, mm. job done. Doesn't even need to go to the other three event, two events. Get this job done this week, win it, he's on the tour. He can have a few weeks off, get ready for the Greenbrier Classic in a few weeks' time, yeah, for the start of the new season. I think Hovland could absolutely walk away with that tournament. There's a, there's a few interesting names in there. We we were talking about it off mic. You've got you've got Justin Harding, who's as big as fifty to one to win that. Fabian Gomez. There's some there's some PGA Tour winners. Josh T has been playing some lovely stuff recently. Yeah. And then of course you get the mix of these hot shots that have been doing going so well on the web.com. Yeah, you have. Yeah, Grayson Murray is another one that caught my eye. Ninety to one as well. So there's a there's a few there's a decent little market to get involved with if you fancy a bit of um, uh, corn ferry action. Nearly said Webber. Charlie Danielson. He's another one we're sweet on. Is any eighty mm. to one? Play, yeah. Been playing some beautiful stuff, Charlie Danielson. Yeah. So that could be another opportunity for listeners out there. The uh, the start of the corn ferry playoffs, the nationwide children's hospital. Well, I, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast this week, listeners. Um, thank you for your time, Paul. Should be a good week. Yeah. Best of luck. Best of luck to you. That is uh, that is podcast 92 in the rearview mirror. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Goodbye.